0: guys, welcome back to the Lead Now podcast. I'm Rachel, and today I have one of my friends on with me. He's so much fun and extremely talented, Daniel Foster.
1: Hey guys, what's up? So
0: me and Daniel work alongside each other. He is on our creative team and is the preteen pastor here at Relevant Church. And not only do we have Daniel, we also have one of our very own, as usual, Cody Morgeson. Hey yo. What's What's up, up, Cody? Cody? So glad to have you. Daniel, so glad that you're here. I wanted to start off asking you to tell me a little bit about how you got on here at Relevant Church, because that's going to kind of lead me to your interview today.
1: That's a a fun story. I always enjoy sharing um, my on-ramp to Relevant Church. Um, I'm good friends with Josh. I know Josh. He plays guitar for us, and he's on staff, and does so much more than I have time to explain. Um, He's also one of my roommates, and so we go back a good ways. And I remember when he first started playing the guitar here at Relevant Church, he would always come to me with so much enthusiasm for all that this church is doing in the community and always loved to share with me, and I was always like a little bit jealous, like, man, that sounds incredible. And so when— there was a position open for the youth pastor back in, I think, 2016. He came to me and said, you need to send an email to uh, Carl's mm-hmm. secretary at the time, which was Ashley, see if they can set up an interview. So I did that, and uh, Carl reached back out to me, and we set up an interview. And this interview, let me tell you guys, six and a half hours.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I
1: was here from 3 to 9.30. Like, it, we had dinner. I mean, it was, it was the longest interview I've ever had in my life. I was exhausted. When I got back to my car afterwards, I had like 89 text messages. I kid you not. People thought I was dead. They're, What's wrong? Where have you been? because uh, I'm usually quick at responding to messages and they, was, like, they were worried and I had felt like that interview went really well and I was excited for it and I waited to hear back from them for several weeks and then I got that phone call and Carl was like hey Daniel, just want to let you know that we don't feel like we have interviewed the right person yet and we're going to continue looking but we want to keep you in mind for like whatever's open in the future and um, in my mind I'm like that's just a nice way of saying sorry man, probably never see you again but it was fun. And so I understood and went on my, went on my way. And then uh, several years later, uh, Carl reached back out to me and said, hey, we have a couple opportunities to serve here at Relevant. Um, if you want to oversee um, a couple of positions, a couple of areas, we would like to bring you on full time. And uh, they hired me at the time to be over guest services. So Josh calls me and says, hey, um, Carl talked about you in staff meeting today, and he's planning on calling you about a potential job. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, man. It's like I cleared my schedule for the rest of the day. Like, I'm excited. I am pumped. I am ready. I my focus is gone. I'm already. I, I think I'm ADD, and I'm already like, that's all I'm thinking about. I have got my phone in my right hand, and it's not. I'm not setting it down. Like I'm excited. Three weeks later, I'm like, Josh, like, are you are you lying to me? Like, is he serious about this? Um,
0: Three weeks later.
1: Yeah, it, weeks have gone by. Oh my I went gosh. On a, A trip with Brandon and Rick, um, other guys on our staff, and Josh. We went to see Elevation's live recording for their album, and the whole time they're talking about planning Easter, and I'm just like, man, sounds fun. (laughs) A few days after that, he he calls me, and we meet up for lunch, and um, it, it didn't happen the way I wanted it to at first, but it actually led up to a lot of during that time, God really used me um, at my church. Our pastor stepped out. And so for a couple-month period, I served as transitional pastor in addition to college pastor and student pastor. So there were weeks where I was speaking for messages, um, trying to keep my head above water, meeting with deacons. Um, we had a baby dedication. I mean, there were all kinds of things, deacon ordination, all kinds of different things that took place that um, really stretched me. I had to learn how to oversee and how to handle several different areas and how to keep my head above water.
0: Wow. So I love that story, mainly because there's so many like ways that it unfold. So not only did you not get the answer you were looking for, and then you did, and God kind of brought that full circle, but also in that in-between time, you were doing so much at your other church. And so it's just so evident that God still needed you there and it wasn't the right time. Absolutely. You, know, you taught our interns on not the answer I was looking for. So besides what you just mentioned, which obviously you didn't get the answer you were looking for at the time, and then you did, where's another time in your life where you didn't get the answer you were looking for?
1: Um, yeah, that was one of my favorite stories in Scripture that I share with the interns. Just a little context is where Jesus casts out the demons from a demon possessed man. The man, the the town the man lived in, had begged that Jesus take the man and uh, just remove him from from the area. And Jesus uh, cast the demons out, and the man became normalized. And he wanted to go with Jesus. He said, "Jesus, I want to go with you. Um, I want to be your partner." And Jesus said, "No, I want to go back into the town, the town that out that cast you out." And I just kind of shared how that's not quite the answer that demon possessed man was looking for. He was wanting to go along with Jesus and Jesus turned him around and said, no, that's not, not, not now. And, um, so that's a great question, Rachel. Yeah. I think that there have been a lot of areas in my life where, uh, I was looking for a particular answer and I didn't quite get the answer that I was looking for. I do know when I was a child, my parents got divorced mm-hmm. when I was eight and that was a, a very hard time for me because I took that personal I wondered what I had done as a child. Um, was it my fault? Um, I do remember being up late um, praying. I had just become a Christian and I, I was told the lie that when you're a Christian, you're a child of God's and you're good. Like yeah. you're, nothing's going to happen to you. And then here I am, not even maybe a year since that time. And I am, uh, my parents, my, my family's being torn apart and I have a younger brother and a sister that went through that. I remember being up late with my mother as she's crying. I remember the night I watched my dad walk out and, uh, just, uh I just remember praying, like, God, can you put my family back together? And that didn't take place. My parents, here I am 30 years old. My parents are still divorced. Um, and so that wasn't an answer that I was looking for, um, in that, in that moment. Um, I, I have Crohn's disease. So I remember I was diagnosed with that when I was in ninth grade and I remember praying like, God, can you remove this? Like, can we, can we go a different route? Can we do something different here? Um, and that, that wasn't the case. And, uh, that's a, it's a non disease. So i have that for the rest of my life, but God has been able to use that in my life to help impact other people. I that's know good. that John Acuff says that use your scars, um, your scars are lighthouses, so other people don't hit the same rocks that you hit. And so I've allowed that. My parents divorce I've allowed my my disease to uh, to speak into students' lives or others' lives who may they may have uh, doubts and not quite under they don't have understanding as to why they're going through what they're going mm-hmm. through. And so I can help give them the hope that comes from from Jesus. I know another instance was about the same time I was um, talking with Carl. The second round of relevant interviews had another opportunity to work at another church and um, that I was kind of excited about a church that I had attended as a child. And it was, a, it was actually a really big position. It was uh, overall communications. It was website. It was design. It was all of that. And actually, I had to begin that process with them mm-hmm. before I heard from Carl. And so I kind of thought that was the direction my life was going to take. And I was kind of getting excited and praying through that. And some um, other events unfolded with their staff where um, one of their staff members, got removed from a position and so they had to fill that really quickly
2: yeah
1: and so the kind of priorities changed there and so I it was just one of those things like oh, I'm, I was praying for that and I thought that I, w- I kept feeling like okay this this feels right this might be the right path and then that door mm-hmm. kind of closed and so yeah there's been a lot of instances in my life and those are just to name a few where I feel like I was expecting an answer from God I thought maybe this would be you could you could change it and it wasn't quite the case.
0: Right. And I love that from your teaching that you said it wasn't the answer you were looking for and how you just described that. But I was going to ask you and you kind of answered it is how you found the good in that and how you still use what happened to you today. Um, And you kind of went into that about your parents and your Crohn's disease. And I love that. I think that makes you such a respectful guy that you do stuff like that so I want to know also how in the meantime did you remind yourself to still trust God
1: that's a great question I had people in my life that spoke into yeah. me I had a, a, an incredible youth pastor he was my youth pastor all the way through um, my my years as a student and we, re- we met regularly I had youth leaders that really poured into me and they um, they really mm-hmm. just kind of encouraged me they would check up on me and so it wasn't like I was navigating my faith as a student by myself mm-hmm. I had a lot of people in my life had a great group of friends. Um, it's one of those really tight-knit youth groups where it wasn't like, are we hanging out this weekend? It's just where just are we hanging were, out this yeah. weekend? Yeah, what time are we meeting up this weekend? And so that really helped me kind of stay um, stay connected. It really helped me keep my eyes on what God's doing in my life and in and through me and uh, the church. And so that's kind
2: of what I use, what I cling to during those years.
0: That's good. I love that.
2: That was really good, Foster. And um, I want to say this about, about Foster is... Foster is one of the most consistent people that I know, that he is yeah. um, the same person here at church that he is here at home, uh, that he has that he is out in public, and so the way that I met uh, Foster, uh, Rachel kind of met him through work, is that right? Through here at the church, is, is that right?
0: Yes. So actually, when I first met him, I just attended Relevant, and he was the guest services pastor. That was the first time that we met.
1: The first time you met me, you told me that I needed to get hand warmers for... Uh the volunteers because their
2: hands are cold.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I was putting them to I work. Age, right way.
2: So the first time that I met Foster, it was actually at his house uh, because I was moving in with them. Uh, so when I first got down, when I first moved here for the lead now internship, I lived with the, the youth pastor Hunter and and, and Foster and Josh. Cody
1: kind of claimed the living room, so he got the he got the couch, and um, I, he would charge his phone on the wall and the cord would kind of there was a little walkway behind our couch and so in the middle of the night we'd go down to get water or something and I don't know how many times I tripped on his cord or (laughs) snapped his phone from him so um, that that took a little getting used to still like about a month after he moved out I'm still like high-stepping my leg over the couch. I'm like, oh, it's just muscle memory. I just didn't want to snatch any more more phones.
0: so funny. So I want to know, what was that like on your end, Cody, living with the guys? And then I also want to know your side of it too, Foster.
2: So on my end, it was a little scary, uh, not going to lie. Moving down here, uh, because I'm originally from Missouri, I'm moving eight hours away and then uh, I talk with Ashley and she says, yeah, we're just going to move you into the guy's house. I'm like, well, I don't know who the, the guys are like, <laughs> and then, and then I'm going to be living on their couch. Like, how's that going to work out? Uh, and, and then, um, so I actually ended up living uh, out of a storage tote for a while. And then I slept on the couch uh, nice couch it was a comfortable couch and once i got there and met Hunter and Josh and Jesse and Foster it was it was a really nice time they they really made me feel at home and let me find some friends and get integrated with people from the church and made me have um but i will say this is um when i left the house uh, when i got my host home um i felt like i was being broken up with <laughs> what? because i was i left uh the last day and Foster Foster looks at me and says when you leave, just leave the garage door opener on the counter. <laughs> <laughs> like, get out. We don't want you back. <laughs> you are done with it. Um, so
1: from my perspective, I'll speak for the rest of my roommates. We weren't quite sure what to expect. Uh, we met Cody and he checked out. He was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit like, all right, well... We all be sitting on the couch, and it's like, well, it's nine o'clock. I don't want to keep you up, Cody. So we'll get out of your bedroom now. We we'll all we all went upstairs to our own little rooms, and because um, we didn't want to feel like intruding in your bedroom. Yeah. So we didn't we didn't, we didn't know. So
2: um, and then the whole the breakup. I'm, I'm we're still friends, right? Yeah, we're still. It wasn't you. It was definitely us. Okay. It was definitely us. <laughs> so to stay consistent, I would say that that has quite a bit of leading yourself and. And being self-disciplined in that way. Um, so what's your biggest motivation to lead yourself?
1: Um, that's just with uh, vulnerability and accountability. So I, I remain vulnerable with the, my few, those that are closest to me. And I allow them to keep me accountable. And there are moments that's that good. my roommates are the, are um, some of those few. And there are moments when they're like, hey, let's all sit down. We need, we need to chat. Very few and far in between when this has happened, but like, hey, we need to, let's follow up on some things. Like, hey, how are you in this area? Um, I'm a, I work a lot, so I keep myself busy. I, my computer's always within reach. Um, I like to feel like I'm mm-hmm. getting ahead on some stuff. And so even so lately, they're like, hey, once not you put your computer down? once not you rest a little bit? And so they've been kind of keeping me in that area. So I've That's learned good. just kind of being vulnerable, being open and honest and allowing them, giving them permission to keep me accountable has helped me uh, stay consistent.
0: Yeah, that's so good. So you mentioned that your roommates sometimes have to tell you to shut off your laptop to kind of focus in, hang out with them. And I know working with you that you are involved in so many areas. You do preteen, photography, graphic design, and social media. So how do you keep the focus when you have so many different areas to focus on?
1: That's another great question. So That's a really hard question. It's very, it's actually pretty difficult when you have so many different things you're overseeing and you're accountable for. Um, I've just learned that I can't do it alone and I've, develop others to help me I learned to delegate I've learned to say no which is hard because I'm a yes man I want to say yes to everything and I'm man I'm I'm an Enneagram 7 FOMO is real like I want to be a part of everything I want to be part of every conversation so if I'm around a group of people I'm halfway listening to everybody just because I want to chime in to whatever seems the most fun and um, so I'm really being intentional about saying no to things things that um, don't serve my time well and so that's something I've been trying to do a lot lately which is again very difficult for me um and so I'm just learning to delegate and to say no. And uh, I've, I can't rely on my, myself either. So I have apps on my phone that I download that remind, I have reminder apps, I have calendar apps, things that help keep me on task and keep me uh, focused. Because again, I am very ADD. I am all over the place. My, my mind is a million miles an hour and so I'm just trying to be intentional and being intentional about turning off is just kind of taking, taking time to rest and to do nothing, which I I kind of feel guilty sometimes when I'm not doing anything. I'm thinking, uh, there's so much to work on. There's so much to do. I want to get ahead. Um, but I've also learned that, um, I learned that the if more is the standard, if I want to do more, 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 if more is the standard, then there's a problem because there's yeah, no end to enough. more. That's there's good. Always I think, something uh, coming. to
0: myself and the interns. We have been talking a lot lately about boundaries, and that no is a complete sentence, and that you don't have to explain your no, but you can just say no and set yeah. your boundaries. Um, and then also, I love that you said you have like reminder apps and all that stuff to help hold yourself accountable. And also, um, that helps you to like block out your time to make time for what you actually have to do.
1: Right. I has to be very intentional. You can't just assume it's going to happen. I have to take actual steps and use tools to, That's good. to help me.
0: So I know you working with you and seeing you so much. You're a confident guy. Um, You always come off confident. Everything that you do, you're a risk taker. You're not afraid to try new things. You're not afraid to be bold. And so I think all of us love that about you. So how do you stay so confident?
1: I haven't always been confident. Um, Through high school, middle school, I was always a very shy person. I didn't speak up. I didn't think that my voice was valuable. I didn't think it was worth hearing. Mm -hmm. Um, Always second guessing myself. Always doubted who I am. I didn't think I was a cool person. I didn't really fit in very well. Um, But later on, uh, late high school, college, I began to uh, work at a camp and just kind of let down my my walls and just be who I was and uh, it was so exhausting trying to be the version of me that everyone wanted me to be and so I just said you know I'm gonna be me and if you want to be around me then you will and if you don't then that's your loss and I'm just gonna be me I'm gonna do myself do me and uh, just be who who I'm created to be and if I'm allowed funny Uh, outgoing person. I'm not going to try to constrain that. I'm just going to be who I, who God has made me because he, he put me on this earth for a purpose and he's given me, he's wired me the way he wanted me to be. And I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to try to manufacture myself to fit your box because that could limit God's purpose in my life.
0: That's so good. I love that. I love that you said that. And I see you do that all the time and I love that so much. And I think, you doing that has helped you reach your purpose more for God. I see you interact with um, so many young guys, older guys, and you can just connect with them on so many levels with the way that you're funny and that you're just yourself and that you're bold. We all definitely love that about you.
2: Thank you. Okay, so the last thing that we're going to ask you is uh, something that we started called uh, the Leader Legacy. So what is the thing that you want to be remembered for in the way that you lead?
1: I think when I, uh, what I want to be remembered for in the way I lead is the way I encourage others. I think that would be it. I'm probably the loudest one to make fun of you, um, but I'll, I want to be remembered for also being the loudest one to cheer you on. And I think if people, people that really know me know that I am an encourager and that it's not out of the ordinary to receive a text from me or a message saying, hey, I'm praying for you, and uh, if you need anything or if we have a conversation, um, just kind of a side conversation where I'm encouraging you and saying, hey, you're uh, you're doing a great job where you're at. And so I want to be remembered for that. I want them to be not just remembered um, that I was a funny guy or remembered the laughs that I uh, I shared, but I I want them to be to remember me from the uh, words of encouragement that I gave them.
0: That was so good. I love that. You said, I don't want to be just loud for laughs. I want to be loud with the way that I cheer you on. That was really good. Thank you. Thank you so much, Foster, for being on with us today. I had so much fun with you and hearing all about your wisdom. And also, thank you so much, Cody, for joining us as usual.
1: Yeah, I enjoyed it, and I uh, hope to do it again sometime.
0: Thank you so much for listening to the Lead Now podcast. I had so much fun with y'all today, and I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at leadnow.today and follow this podcast on all streaming platforms for weekly episodes. We, we out.